Hello and welcome to The Quiz Kids from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. This is your old chief quizzer himself, Joe Kelly, presenting America's famous quiz kids. Now, first of all, I want to congratulate you quiz kids for the way you handled the class while I was gone last week. I I noticed you didn't make it easy on yourselves when you each took a turn at Quizmaster, for your own questions were really humdingers. It was a wonderful show, and I got such a big kick out of you kids, and it's good to be back again with all of you. Now, we have two distinguished guests. Uh, on our program this afternoon, the famous actor Edmund O'Brien and another great entertainer, one of the world's most famous clowns from Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey Circus, Felix Adler. So let's get right down to work with your first question for today. Here it is. Where might you see a person do the following? He threw off his birdcage and ran past the woodpile. Now, that's the first question. And while you and our listeners are thinking about that one, we'll have roll call. Joel? I'm Joel Kupperman. I'm 14 years old, and I'm a junior at Roosevelt High School. Patrick? I'm Patrick Owen Conlon. I'm 13 years old, and in the fall, I'll be a freshman at Calumet High School in Chicago. Good for you, Patty. Marlene? I'm Marlene Richmond. I'm 15 years old and 3A at Roosevelt High School. Frankie? I'm Frankie Vanderbilt. I'm 6 years old, and I'm at 1B at the Mount Vernon School, Chicago, Illinois. (laughs) (laughs) And a special guest quiz kid who is here as winner of the local New York Quiz Kid program sponsored by the Savings Bank Association of Greater New York, Jonathan. My name is Jonathan Glogar. I'm going into the fifth grade of PS 152, uh, Brooklyn, New York. Well, that's a boy, Jonathan. Now then, let's get back to that first question. Uh, where might you see a person doing the following? He threw off his birdcage and ran past the woodpile. Now, we had two hands up, but I don't see them anymore. Now, what happened? <laughs> Probably thinking about the wrong kind of a woodpile. He threw off his birdcage... And ran past the woodpile. Patrick. Well, this might be sort of a catch. I know in a baseball game you'd uh, call a woodpile a load of bats. And, yeah, and the birdcage. And uh, I'm not so sure about the birdcage. Oh, Pat, Joel. The bullpen? Uh, no, no, <laughs> Jonathan. Well, would it be the thing that the uh, catcher wears? No, it's the mask. That's yeah. it. That's right. On the baseball field. Fine, kid. Well, that was kind of a toughie to start off with. Now, here's our next one. Out of all the many musical stage hits, can uh, you kids recall two whose names could be located on the map? All right, Marlene. Could that be South Pacific? That's one. That's very good. Frankie. Manhattan Island? What, what did you say? Manhattan honey? Island? Is, uh, is, that, uh, is that a play? That's I all right. That's perfect. All right, Frankie. Well, it might be Oklahoma because Oklahoma is a state in the United States. Well, say, States. now, what do you know about that? Sure, that's, that's two of them right there. <laughs> by the way, Frankie, uh, could you by any chance uh, sing something from uh, Oklahoma or maybe South Pacific? 
Well, I can sing one from Oklahoma, and that's called Oh, What a Beautiful Morning. Oh, fine. Now, let's all be real quiet and listen to little six-year-old Frankie sing. All right, Frankie. Oh, what a beautiful morning. Oh, what a beautiful day. I got a beautiful feeling. Everything's going my way. <laughs> oh, boy. Hey. <laughs> Another Frankie better watch out. I want to tell you, yes, sir. Well, you're singing there. Oh, that was dandy. Well, let's get along to our other questions here. What insect might be called the old man of the garden? Jonathan. Would that be the uh, Daddy Long Legs? Daddy Long Legs is right. Now, what might be called a six-legged Rip Van Winkle? Marlene. Could that be a spider? The what? The no. spider? No. No, Joel? Well, could that be the uh, 17-year locust? That's that... right. Absolutely, Joel. Good boy. That's correct. Uh-huh. Now, on this next question, kids, puns are in order. Yeah, and you must get two out of three. What part of a horse is negative? Puns now, remember. Patrick? Well, a uh, horse says nay. Nay is right, that's right. What part of a horse is a short story you might tell? Joel? A tail? His tail, that's right. <laughs> and what part of a horse is the name of a state? Pat? That's Maine. Maine, right. Well, say, we really scooted right through that one. And now then, kids, it's certainly a real pleasure to introduce one of our famous guests. One whom I know you will enjoy very much. The movie star whom I'm sure you will remember seeing in uh, Fighter Squadron, The Killers, White Heat, D.O.A., and many other outstanding films. And here he is, Mr. Edmund O'Brien. Mighty glad to have you here with us, uh, Edmund. Thanks, Joe. You see, folks, Mr. O'Brien is here in Chicago for the opening of his new movie tomorrow at the Woods Theater. And since the title of his movie is 7-Eleven Ocean Drive, he thought uh, it'd be a lot of fun uh, uh, for himself and the kids uh, if he were to portray characters from other mystery stories which are associated with a particular street or address. So, Edmund, I'll just turn the class over to you. All right, Joe, here we go. Now, here's the first question, kids. What address do you associate with the character that I'm going to try to represent with this first question? What address do you associate with the character I'm going to represent with this first question? I'll see if I can play the part. <laughs> Madam, I see you had a good drive in a dog cart along heavy roads before you reached the station. <laughs> there is no mystery, my dear madam... The left arm of your jacket is spattered with mud in no less than seven places. The marks are perfectly fresh. There is no vehicle save a dog cart which throws up mud in that way, and then only when you sit on the left-hand side of the driver. Uh, Pat. Well, I think that was the Sherlock Holmes story, and that's 221 Baker Street, I think. Oh, that's wonderful. <laughs> that's really great, Pat. Good boy. Now, here's the second question. What street might you associate with this story? A madman has done this deed. Some raving maniac, Dupin. His hair is most unusual. This is no human hair. Joe? Uh, that'd be Rue Morgue. I believe uh, I pole-rolled it. Or... And uh, what, what, what would uh, 
Would the name of the street be... What was the story? R- Rue Morgue, I think. That's right. The murders in the Rue Morgue. That's wonderful, Joel. Good work. <laughs> Ed, I, I'll tell you what I think we ought to do now. I've got an idea All here. Right, yeah. I think we ought to stage a, a big preview right here in our classroom of uh, your new movie that opens here tomorrow that I told the folks about. And I'll hand out parts to... Uh, <laughs> I'll hand out parts to the quiz kids so uh, you kids can help Mr. O'Brien out. Of course, since the movie hasn't opened yet, uh, you won't know the story of it. So I'll give you a second or two to look over your lines and uh, we'll let our audience judge on the basis of your preview whether they think the movie should be a success. <laughs> All right, now, have you looked over your parts? Fine. Now, let's see here. Mr. Edmund O'Brien takes the role of Mal. Marlene, you are Gail. Jonathan, uh, you will be the guide of the tour. Patrick and Joel are police officers, and Frankie, now, uh, you're a big government official. Oh! And, and uh, <laughs> since, uh, since you haven't uh, had reading yet, Frankie, I'll help you with your part, and I'll tell you when to come in and, and what line to say uh, when it comes your turn. All right, now, I want you kids to really act all over the place here, and let's really put this on Hollywood style, if I may say that. <clears throat> all right, we're ready now for the big show to start, and... We hear the guide saying... All right, the guide comes in. The seven giant generators you see here are driven by turbines located 40 feet below each generator. Hang on just a little longer, baby. I'll figure a way to get out of here. This place must be honeycombed with tunnels. There they are. They got through with the sightseers. The large drum-like structures beside us are step-up transformers. They'll be coming down the elevator. If we can get to the other side first, that's all we need, honey. While they're searching the dam, we'll come up in Arizona. I can't go any further, Mel. I just can't. Yeah, but you have to, baby. Remember what we always said? We go together and not at all. All right, Frankie, you, you say, there they go. Come on. Come on, Hurry Frankie, up. that's you. Somebody lift him up there to my... There they go. <laughs> come on. Once more, Frankie. There they go. Yeah. yeah they're still going. Well, get them. <laughs> Gail, you hide here while I shake them off. I'll come back for you. Yeah, Frankie, it's your turn again. Get him up there to the mic real quick. You say, it's the girl, grab her. It's the girl, it's the girl. Yeah, grab her. Grab her. Yeah. Two grabs. Take the girl up to my car. We'll keep after him. We are now 560 feet below the dam and 673 feet above sea level. Keep your hands on your knees, deputy. I came back to you, Gail. Get out the other side of the car and get his gun. Oh, no, you don't. I thought you'd make a grandstand play for Helen, so I came back to drop that gun. <laughs> the girl's name is Gail. All right, uh, uh, government official. Frankie, you say, good work, officer. You're good a credit work, to the officer, force. officer. You're a credit to the force. Hey! Hey! <laughs> <laughs> Say, that, that big government official, uh, he really went to town. Well, from that rough idea, I believe our audience thinks 7-Eleven Ocean Drive will be pretty good, but it'll probably be better to really see the actual picture at the Woods Theater and judge for ourselves. I want to thank you, Edmund O'Brien, for taking time out to come up here and be with us in our classroom, and we wish you all the luck in the world.
Well, now, let's see what's next. Oh, here's a difficult musical test quiz, kids. Often we think we know certain well-loved classical numbers, but when we come down to really humming the way they start off, we find we are stumped. And I've asked our organist, Lou Webb, to play the end of three well-known compositions, and you kids are to identify them, and if possible, hum the beginning. All right, Lou, let's have the first one. All right. How about that? Can any of you identify that was the uh, ending of a certain classical composition? No? No hands? Marlene, do you? Is that Polichinelle by Rafael? No, dear. No, it's, it's really by Tchaikovsky. Uh huh. That's a clue. Joe? Oh. Dance of the Flowers? No, no. Marlene? Is it a uh, duel, um, a waltz in. Uh, by no. no, no, no. Humoresque. Oh. Humoresque. Well, we didn't get the first part, but that's all right now. Don't worry about it. Let's uh, see what we do with the second part. Frankie? That sounds to me like the swan by St. Sam. That's right, Frankie. Now, that's wrong, too, yeah. Now, we just heard the ending. Can you uh, sort of hum the beginning for us? He's a good hummer, isn't he? Yeah. That was all right, Frankie. Yes, sir. For a little six-year-old boy, I think that was amazing. Now, here's the last one. This last one is rather mysterious. <clears throat> Joel? Is that sweet mystery of life? That's just her. what it is. That's right. <laughs> now, Joel, can you, uh, can you hum the beginning for us? From the uh, 12 tasks given to Hercules to prove his strength... Can you kids name three that you would not particularly care to do yourself? Pat? Well, uh, Hercules, I know, was supposed to kill the Nemean lion. Yes, and, and you wouldn't I, want to do I that. I don't want to go tackling any lions. All right. And likewise, he was supposed to kill a uh, hydra, a yes. very mysterious uh -huh. creature in that time, and I had about 1,000 heads or something. Now, you wouldn't want any And I don't that. want that. And then he had to clean up some stables that belonged to uh, Aegis uh -huh. and... Uh, well, I don't like to clean up very well either. Oh. <laughs> well, let's see. And uh, he little... had to uh, catch a boar yeah. very well, and he also had to run after a deer, if I ah. remember. Yeah. And, that's, and uh, that's very good, Pat. And Frankie has his hand up. What are you going to say? Well, now? we had to get three golden apples, and I wouldn't like to... Um, um, and I wouldn't like to do that if I had to hold the sky up. Well, say, it would, rather, it would be a rather difficult feat, wouldn't it? <laughs> Hold this guy up and... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
Well, those were all good, kids. Now, this question reviews some of the great discoveries made in medicine in the last half century. We'll begin with recent discoveries and travel back through the last 50 years. And you kids are to identify the great men associated with each. And you must get two out of three on this. Who is noted for discovering penicillin in the year 1929? Jonathan. Uh, I think that was uh, Fleming. That's right, Dr. Alexander Fleming. Who discovered the cause of Texas fever? Jonathan? Uchi. Uh, <laughs> oh, you're thinking about somebody else, huh? Who discovered the cause of Texas fever? His uh, last name begins with an S. Theobald Smith, about uh, 1890. <laughs> Most unusual name. <clears throat> Who discovered the cure for rabies? Jonathan. Pasteur. That's right, my boy. Very good. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, oh, say, <laughs> here comes another big surprise. You're going to meet an old friend, boy, oh, boy, one that uh, you may have admired and enjoyed many, many times at the circus, and one that you're going to enjoy actually meeting in person. The famous king of clowns of the Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey Circus, Mr. Felix Adler. <laughs> <laughs> Felix has got a great big alarm clock strapped around his ankle. He pulls his pant leg up to see what time it is. <laughs> He's all stuck up in his clown suit. Felix, I'm so glad to see you. Why, uh, I, uh, I understand that you have some questions that, uh, of your own that you want to ask the children. How about that? Oh, yes, Joe, I have a few questions. May I ask them? Yes, what's oh. the umbrella up for? Is that to keep my nose from getting sunburned. Oh, <laughs> I haven't got much time. You see, the Ringling Brothers and Barn Bailey Circus is now in progress, and I have to hurry back to the soldier's field and take part in this beautiful spec holidays. So I'm going to ask these questions very quickly. Now, wait a minute. I think I'll make it animals. I well, think. I think uh, uh, you'd better stand over here by the microphone. Oh, I see. On this side. I want you to look at the kids. Yeah. <laughs> Don't uh, back up to it because you won't get very close to it. <laughs> uh, now, uh, uh, being that I'm with the circus and we have a very beautiful menagerie with almost any kind of an animal you want to see with the Ringling Show, I'm going to ask you about animals. So, uh, how about uh, a zebra? Is a zebra a white animal with black stripes or a black animal with, with <laughs> white stripes? Uh, he's got his hand up there, uh, Jonathan. Well, I don't know. I don't know. It, it, it could be either. Uh, Joe? Well, technically, since a white is a mixture of all colors and therefore is a combination of black with others, you could say that it's a black animal with white stripes. Madeline? I think it's a white animal with black stripes. <laughs> well, I don't know. You can take anything you want. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll tell you one thing. Uh, did you know that you can take your finger and put it on an ink pad and, and make a mark like that and you can be identified by that fingerprint? Yeah. Well... Uh, did you know that a, a zebra can be identified by his stripes just like that? Because there's no two zebras ever been striped identically the same. Now, you didn't know that, did you? No. no. Uh -huh. Now, uh, I'm going to ask you another question. What is a leopard? A leopard. All right, Jonathan? Isn't that a member of the cat family? A what? A member of the cat family. Yes, a member of the cat family. Pat? Well, it's a uh, carnivore, technically. It's, uh... it's what? It's a uh, carnivore. 
Oh, my goodness. Your vocabulary is too copious for my diminutive comprehensory. Uh, Joe? Well, it's an animal that lives in tropical regions that is, uh, like Pat said, is carnivorous, and uh, it has uh, teeth specially equipped for that purpose, and it is generally known to be ferocious. I don't think the zebra, uh, the, uh, uh, I don't think the leopard even knew that. Uh, uh, Frankie? Well, a leopard might belong to the cat family, and I think it has brown and white stripes. No, that's a, that's, that's a, a uh, what do you call that, Joe? That's a tiger, isn't it? Yeah, that's a tiger. No, uh, Madeline? Well, I, uh, Joel took everything I was going to say. Well, what about... does it look like? What does zebra look like? Oh, yeah, a zebra. A zebra? Uh, isn't that uh, a, leopard. a leopard? A leopard. What do you think when you see a leopard? What does it look like? Oh, he we looks like look. a panther, doesn't he? A no, uh, what, what, what particular... Uh, His teeth. What's that? Well, uh, it has hat? spots on it. That's right. A leopard has spots. Now, here's something I want to ask you boys. Does a leopard change its spots? All right, Pat? Well, well, Mr. Redley, I think I did hear once that it did uh, change spots. Yeah. From its early stages. All right, uh, uh, Madeline? Yes, they do change spots. Uh, uh, Joe? Not very often, though. Well, I'm in no position. Frankie, how about you? You look like you know something there. <laughs> Ain't he cute, though? Can I adopt him, Joe? <laughs> maybe I can learn something from him. <laughs> Frankie, well, what do you think? Well, maybe a leopard might have brown spots. Yeah. <laughs> it does change its spots. You're right, Joel. It goes I, from this I, spot I to that spot. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, you know, uh, 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 a giraffe, you know what that is, don't you, Frankie? An animal with a long neck. Uh-huh. And a giraffe with his long neck. It's impossible for him to stoop down without getting down his knees to pick an object up off the ground. And with his long neck... He, uh, he has never been known to make any kind of an outcry or anything. You see, they have no vocal cords. And when they want to talk to their sweetheart or anything, they say, come up and see me sometime. <laughs> you know, with your eyes. Well, anyway, uh, their only protection, a draft, is their speed. You wouldn't think to look at those big things that could run, but they really can travel. And they have razor-sharp hoofs. And they're and a terrific speed they use to get away and to, and to strike with those hoofs. So if you're ever around a, a giraffe, don't get near his hoofs, Frankie, will you? Huh? <laughs> now I want to ask you another question. This is probably the last one. Uh, does any of you boys know the difference between an elephant and a flea? Madeline? Isn't a flea very small and an elephant very large and uh, also... Uh, Joe? A, a well, also a flea is an arthropod while an elephant is a chordate. Oh, my goodness. There you go, <laughs> boy. You, you broke my jaw that time. Uh, Frankie? Well, maybe he would... Well, just like um, just, well, just like he said, uh, well, just like he said, an elephant. <laughs> well, Jonathan's laughing, and now, John, what do you know? Nothing. <laughs> Madeline, you got your hand up. I should think that a flea uh, doesn't usually. Uh, uh, a flea usually goes on elephants and uh, or dogs. Is it uh, 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 lives Pat, only on dogs? were you going to tell me something? I was not. No. Well, I'll <laughs> tell you the difference between an elephant and a flea. An elephant can have fleas, but a flea can't have elephants. Oh. <laughs> well, that's fine, boys. I get this. Well, now, really, that was a lot of fun, but I, I think it'd be only fair to let the quiz kids ask you some questions. I'm uh, breaking another pair of shoes for my girl. My feet are killing me. Oh. <laughs> How about that? Now, who wants to start? Here's your chance to ask the king of the clowns. Uh, a question. You stand over there by your microphone. Well, I gotta get over there. I, I, I like that. Yeah. Story. I like All right, Marlene. Could you please tell me what is the difference uh, between the kind of humor a, com- uh, a clown portrays 
and the kind of humor a comedian portrays? Well, uh, yes, I can, madam. Uh, a, uh, a clown has to go more in more for pantomime, and he has, really has no collective audience. With a big circus like Ringling Brothers and Barnum Bailey Circus, your audience is not collected. As you move from one spot to the other, you have to have an identically different audience than you had before. And a clown must get his laughs on the spur of the moment, like he must accentuate his costumes. So that when the people look at him, they laugh, and I bet you five seconds after you've laughed at that clown, uh, Madeline, that uh, someone say, what are you laughing at there, Madeline? You wouldn't know what the clown limit, yet you had you laughing, and it's a comedy relief that ever kind of entertainment needs. No, I don't think a comedian does dress the same way as a clown. Well, no, you see, uh, there's a medium between comedy and tragedy that all comedians must use. They must be able to make you feel sorry for them and then make you laugh at the same time. It's a very fine medium between those two. The successful comedian or clown is a man who can use those things. All right. Hello now, there, Joe. Joe's next. Well, if you would start all over again, would you be a clown again? Oh, I have a wonderful poem for that, Joel, if I only had time to recite it. The old clown song. You can find that in Clint Berry's book of circus poems. The old clown song. And that is my answer to it. <laughs> if I had my life to live over again in this world of contention and selfish men, I'd choose, I'm sure, to again be a clown and think up more antics to banish the crown. For by playing the fool, and I forgot the rest of it. <laughs> think it unwise. And think it much better a rich man to be. But the touch of gold seems to harden the heart where they lose the great joy in a human part. Now, I, I, don't, I tried to knock that off there, Joel, but if you get that book of poems, they're very beautiful. The late Clint Wyberry. I think Hello, Pat Frankie. Has a, a question. Well, I messed around, or do you think that I can go up to be a clown someday? Well, Frankie, I think that your ambition should be to grow up and be another Frankie Sinatra. With that voice of yours, I heard you sing a little while ago. You know, uh, uh, Bing Crosby is a very good singer, but I'm better still. What am I saying? Hi, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Frankie. I think if I were you, I'd just keep going right on, getting a good education. And then if you want to be a clown, all right. It's a lot of fun sometimes. Uh, uh, Pat, what did you want? Well, uh, Mr. Adler, I'd like to know how you happen to choose your profession. It's rather Well, unusual. it's a long story. I could give you a long story on that, too. But uh, when I was a little boy... I ran away from home. I was born in Clinton, Iowa, and I joined the circus. And, of course, I was taken back home again. And I, I done that so many times that finally my dad thought, well, maybe it'd be let it, better to let him go with the circus. We know where he's at then, see? And uh, so I went with the circus off and on in the summertime. I'd go with the circus in the wintertime. I'd go to school. But I think every boy, I've had a wonderful life with the Ringling Bottom Show for 40 years. And I think every boy should get a very fine education, equip himself with an education or some kind of a trade before they think about running away from home. Hello there, Johnson. <laughs> well, uh, I just want to know, uh, is, a, is, a is a clown really happy in his uh, private life? This is a sort of private affair. Well, Jonathan, I want to tell you something. Everybody has the opinion that when they walk down through Clown Alley, that's the part of the dressing room where the clowns hang their costumes and change into their clown outfits, that they're going to find it strewn with broken hearts. But that's not so. Clowns are really very jolly, happy people, and when anyone wants to laugh, they usually come over to Clown Alley, and the straight actors are kinkers, as we call them, because they're always playing practical jokes on people. But clowns are really not broken hearted. That's from all those old laugh clown laugh stories and, and Pagliacci and all this sort of thing. They think that the clown, although he's being funny out there, he's secretly in love with the beautiful, bespangled bareback rider, or the, and, and she's in love with the strong man in the side show or something like that. But that's not so. Clowns are very versatile. The clowns of our show among our hundred clowns, I think we have all kinds of acrobats, good ball players, football players, and everything. And, Joe, 
You're going to cut my throat. No, I'm not either. I just want to say that that was very, very interesting. Felix, tell me, where's the big top uh, go uh, you're leaving tonight after the, tonight's performance? Where well, do you go tomorrow? You see, Danville, Illinois, and, and then we go to Evansville, Indiana, where I know there's a lot of fans down there listening to this program because I had lots of letters from the, from the TV program. Well, thanks so much for coming up, and uh, Joe, a lot of luck to you, Felix. Nice working with you again. Seeing you again. Okay. Bye-bye. Goodbye, everybody. Well, my goodness, we were having so much fun, I thought we'd just begun. Yeah, but we'll have a lot of fun again next week. And while the judges are busy adding up your scores, I want to tell you about the very special guest, folks, we'll have on our program next week. We will, have, uh, we will be honored to hear from the Secretary of the Treasury of the United States, Mr. John W. Snyder. Now, let's see. Here are your grades, kids. Let's see who won today. Remember, whether you win or lose, you will each receive a $100 savings bond for your future education. As a group, you didn't miss any questions, and after taking into consideration your age as well as the number of questions you answered correctly, the final report is Patrick was first, Frankie second, Joel third, and of course Jonathan was not scored because he was a guest quiz kid. Now, so you three, together with Brenda Liebling, six years, and uh, Rennie Templeton, age 15, will make up our class for next week. So until next Sunday, this is Joe Kelly dismissing the quiz kids. Goodbye, kids. Bye, Bye Quiz Kids is a Louis G. Kahn production. Programs, get your programs here. For your later evening listening pleasure, NBC presents an hour of varied entertainment tonight. First, MC Jack Parr asks those $64 questions on Take It or Leave It. Then comes a change of pace and the Pet Milk Show with Kay Arman and Emil Cote's orchestra. Remember, Take It or Leave It and the Pet Milk Show tonight. Diagnosis Homicide. Hear it next on NBC.